Thessalonians. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 today and chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 13, in which Paul prays for the Thessalonian believers that their love would increase and abound. Okay, And then we're going to jump over to chapter 4, beginning in verse 9 and 10, where Paul talks again about brotherly love. Okay, Now, I know what you're going to ask. You're going to say, well, what about chapter 4, verse 1 through 8? Why are we skipping those eight verses? Well, we're not skipping them. They're about sexual morality. And here's the thing. They only give me about 45 minutes in these services, okay? And so it's hard to do two topics, all right? So what we're doing today is we're going to look at brotherly love, okay? So that, that's chapter 3, uh, verses 11, 12, and 13, and then chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Next week, we're going to come back and we're going to get what we missed, okay? We're going to jump back into chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, and pick those up, all right? So if you'd like to stand while we read the Word of God, you're certainly welcome to. If you would rather be seated, that's fine as well. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 11, 12, and 13, then I'll, we'll jump into chapter 4, okay? Verse 11 says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. And for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. All right, now move forward to chapter 4, and I'm going to pick up in verse 9. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Father, I thank you for this exhortation, this encouragement to love others more and more. Uh, Father, we need you for that. And God, I, I pray, God, I pray that you would help the people in this room to increase and to abound in their love for one another, in their love for their small group, in their love for their uh, their church, their Sunday school class, their spiritual friendships. Father, I'm asking that you would increase and abound our love for our families and for our neighbors and for our town and for the needy and for the broken. God, that you would increase and overflow our love for others. Father, we ask that you would do that in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Okay, so here's what we know about this church, okay? I'm not talking about Lincoln Avenue. I'm talking about the church that Paul is writing to. Here's what we know about them. They, they did really well at loving people, all right? They, they were doing really well. How do we know that? Well, you remember in chapter one when Paul starts out talking about their testimony? He says, every time we remember you guys, this is in chapter one, verse three. He says, every time we remember you, you know what? We remember your labor of love. We remember how your love worked, how, how you labored in love for others. And then here in chapter four, the verse we just read in verse 10, he says, for indeed, that is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. So we know that this church was doing a great job at sacrificing for one another, at meeting needs at caring for one another, at building Christ in relationships, at encouraging, exhorting, and comforting, and shepherding one another. We know they're doing a great job doing this, all right? And now, what does Paul do? Paul says, you're doing a great job. You're obeying the Lord. You're loving each other well. Now, I want you to do it more, all right? Do it more. He says, I want you to increase and abound. Abound means overflow. He says, I, I want you to abound in your love for one another, all right? 
In fact, he says this phrase more and more. He says this several times. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, uh, We ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. There in chapter 4, verse 10, he says, You're loving everybody really well. He says, Now do this more and more. So essentially, Paul is saying, Great job. You're loving each other well. You're, 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 you're pouring your life out for other people. Way to go. Now, Do it more, all right? Do it more. Now, I want you to imagine how this letter might have hit some of those believers, okay? Since we know this church was doing a good job loving each other, I can't help but think there was somebody in that church that had just had a whopper of a week. Have you ever had a whopper of a week, you know? I I can't help but think there was somebody in that church. Maybe they were a small group leader. Maybe they were a house church leader. And maybe they'd had a a family in their church go through a a terrible crisis. And maybe they'd been bringing meals all week long, right? So so maybe there's somebody in that church and they'd been bringing meals and just loving on this family. They'd, They'd been getting home from work and throwing something together and loading up in the... I guess the mule, the don't, whatever they had then, right? And heading over to their, their neighbor's house and just, just caring for them and praying for them and loving on them. And then I can't help but think that maybe there was somebody in that church that maybe that night, the night before uh, they gathered for worship, maybe they'd been up half the night, you know, just praying with somebody in their small group. Maybe, maybe somebody's kid had rebelled, had gone off the rails, had gotten into drugs or something like that. And, and so they, they just had spent the night crying with and praying for and loving and serving. And I can't help but think on the way to gather that morning, don't you think that probably somebody in that church had stopped off and, 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 and there was a needy family and they brought them breakfast and maybe brought them some groceries and, and now they gather for worship and, and the pastor says, hey guys, we got, we got a letter from the Apostle Paul, you know? And what does he say? And they open it up and he says, you're doing a great job loving each other. Now, do it more. <laughs> do it more and more. You know, don't you think there was somebody that, more and more, you know? I mean, wow, we, we, we poured out our life all this week, and we've been caring for each other and loving each other, and now you're saying more and more. In other words, I, I think there's a tendency. The only reason I know this is, is well, I can imagine it, but this last week, I pitched my sermon. I do that sometimes. Guys, I was walking with a guy. We were walking, and I said, well, hey, let me tell you what I'm preaching on this next week. Let me tell you what Paul says. And he's like, man, he's like, is, is Paul just never satisfied? You know, like more and more? You're doing a great job, and now you're saying more and more? And, and, and so I think there's a tendency that you might look at this as a burden. But I, I, I want you to look at it in a different way. You see, I don't, I don't want you to look at it like, like, the, like there's a God up there who's never satisfied. Have you ever been to a, a baseball game, a little kid's baseball game, and there's some nine-year-old, he's up there at the plate, cracks one into, into the outfield and rounds first base and gets slides into second, you know? Crowd's going wild. Later, somebody hits him in, and he comes back into the dugout and giving high fives to everybody. His dad gets out of the bleachers, goes over there to the fence and says, Son, if you wouldn't have hesitated around first, you could have made third, you know? <laughs> have you ever seen that, you know? I mean, is that, is that what this is, you know? I mean, Paul's saying, hey, you're doing a great job loving each other. You're love abounds. You've got a labor of love. You know, okay, now do it more. You know, is that what it is, just kind of adding one more rock to your already heavy load? I, guys, I don't think so. I, I think if that's the feeling you get from this passage, you're not understanding a key component to us loving one another well, okay? And that key component is Paul's not saying, hey, here's some more burden. Paul is actually saying, hey, here's some more blessing, all right? When you're talking about 
Christ-like qualities. When you're talking about you living out your faith, you being obedient to the Lord, my friends, one of the shifts you've got to make in your mind is that's not a burden, that is a blessing, okay? Instead of the baseball analogy where the guy makes a double and his dad says you should have had a triple, instead of that analogy, let me give you another one. Really what Paul's saying is, hey, you just ate a great big piece of coconut cream pie. Have another, right? That's what he's saying. Have another. Get some more. All right, that, that chain, right? You're all, we're all about that, man. Paul just said, I just had a big piece. You know, I've, I've had a bunch. Hey, go ahead and get you another, all right? That's what he's saying. Get some more blessing. The Bible urges believers to get more of Jesus, more obedience, more of knowing him, more fruitfulness for God's glory, for your own good, for the good of others. There should be in every believer what I call a holy discontent, okay? Now, the Bible says, 1 Timothy, actually, uh, the Bible says that there are some things you should be content in, all right? How much money you make, the possessions you have, the clothes you wear, those things. You know, you know what the Bible says? The Bible's really clear. First Timothy 6, it says, hey, be content with what God provides. Like, like be at rest with what God provides. But there, there's other things that the Bible talks about that he says you should never be content. You know, you should, you should have a holy discontent. You should have an unquenchable thirst for more of Jesus, more of his character. That's really what he's saying here. You know, he's saying, man, I'm praying that you would increase and abound in your love for one another, right? Your love for God is connected to your love for one another. And so Paul is really saying, I want you to grow more in your love for God and love for others. And maybe some of those Thessalonians were saying, well, wow, we've already grown. I mean, we're way up here. Paul's like, great, get more, right? Some of them had said, hey, I I've had five pieces of pie. Paul says, go for six, right? Like get more, like wherever you're at in your spiritual life, you should want more. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. And Paul lived this out in his own life. In Philippians chapter three, he has planted churches all over the known world. He, he's an apostle of the Gentiles. He's in prison in Philippians chapter three. And, and here's what he says. He says in verse eight, he says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the uh, of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul says, man, it, there, there is no way to judge the value of knowing Jesus, all right? And then if you jump down a couple verses, verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal of the prize of the upward call of God. This is an old man writing this, an old man who's in prison because of the gospel. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, man, I forget what's behind. What's ahead? Give me some more pie is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I want more of Jesus. And he wants you to have more of Jesus. He wants you to increase and abound in your love for one another and for all. Peter told us that this is one of the signs you know you're truly a believer. This is one of the signs that you confirm your election, your calling um, in your life. Second Peter chapter 1 talks about, Peter says, add to your faith. And he says, add virtue and self-control and knowledge and steadfastness and brotherly affection and love. And then he says in verse 8, if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of God. Folks, we should never hit spiritual retirement. We should never hit that. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm so glad some folks get to retire from their job, right? Like, like they're, I, 
you shouldn't want to always work at the same level that you do, right? I mean, it's okay to retire from your job. It's not okay to retire spiritually, right? Spiritually, we should always want more of Jesus, more of, uh, of loving Him and loving others. And, and, and so we should always be increasing, increasing in our love for God and our love for others. In fact, what the Bible says is if you've reached a stagnant point in your love, there's probably something wrong. We know that, isn't there? I mean, how would it be if I'm um, coming up on, let's see, this year will be uh, my 29th wedding anniversary, I believe, coming up in August. What if on, on anniversary day, I, I, I say, good morning, honey, you know, happy anniversary. I just want you to know, I, I don't really love you any more than I did last year, or the year before. I've kind of plateaued, but I love you a lot, you know. That's probably not the best, that's not a Hallmark card, is it, you know. If I say, hey, honey, we probably won't ever love each other more than we do now. I mean, it's, 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 we probably reached the peak, you know. Remember in the book of Revelation when Jesus is talking to the churches? And you remember when he talks to, to the church in, um, in Ephesus? Remember what he says? He, he, first of all, he tells them they're doing a lot of things right. He says, I know your endurance and your patience. You're bearing, uh, bearing up for my name's sake. You're not grown weary. But then he says in, in verse 4, he says, I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love you had at first. He says, you, you don't love me like you used to. You, you don't love others like you used to. You see, we should never grow stagnant in our love. But as Paul prays here, we should always increase more and more. And again, not a burden, a blessing, right? Not a burden, a blessing. It is a blessing to love people more. You remember what Paul said in Acts 20, 35? He said, he said, remember the words of our Lord Jesus. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Remember what Jesus said in Luke? Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 35. He said, uh, but love your enemies. That's a tough one, isn't it? And do good and lead and lend, I'm sorry, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. Did you hear that? Love your enemies and your reward will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. And so we, we should want more of this love for one another. Not a burden, but rather a blessing. Now, here's some really good news. Okay, there, this, this sermon is actually full of good news. God wants you to love more and more. And God is ready to give you the more. All right, did you hear that? God wants you to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, and your neighbors, and your family. He wants you to love them more and more, and He is ready to give you that more, all right? In other words, you don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to work this up yourself. He's ready to give you that more. Would you notice in chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, would you notice that this is a prayer, all right? Do you see that? Fred, you're a big prayer guy. Did you know that this is a prayer here? Here's, I know you're always looking for, for things to pray. But verse 11 and 12 of chapter 3 is a prayer. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. In other words, Paul is asking God to increase his love. For, 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 for other believers. He's asking God to increase the, these believers, their love for one another. You see, all of our sanctification, all of our progress in the spiritual life, if you're going to grow at all in any area of your spiritual life, there's going to be two things that are happening. Okay, are you ready? There's going to be your effort, and there's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit. All right? And those two are wrapped beautifully together. Always. Always wrapped beautifully together. Let me, let me give you some verses that package that really beautifully. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you, 
both to will and to work for his good pleasure. All right, so who's doing it? Are you following this? Who's doing it? Well, it says God is at work in you, but then he says both to will, what's your will? That's your initiative, right? That's you getting out of your chair and saying, I'm going over there to minister to that person. And your work, what's your work? That's your baking cookies for somebody. You're, you're praying for somebody. You're laboring in the scriptures for somebody, right? That's your effort, okay? It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. There's this beautiful entanglement of our effort and the power of God. You need both. You're never going to get anywhere in the spiritual life without the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're never going to get anywhere in this life without your will and work, okay? But it's God who actually works in you. I love how Paul phrases this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. He says, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that's within me. How did Paul make such spiritual progress? How did Paul plant so many churches? How did Paul disciple so many people? Well, you could say he worked really hard. Is that true? Absolutely. He says, I worked harder than any of them. How did Paul get free from his, 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 his sin from his past? Well, he, he worked really hard. But what does he say about that? He says, it's the grace of God that was working in me. He said, it was not I, but the grace of God in me. It's this beautiful partnership of the work of the Holy Spirit and of our own effort, all right? So is your effort involved? Absolutely. You are commanded to put to death your flesh, to yield to the Spirit, to believe, to engage your will. But ultimately, it is the work of the Holy Spirit, which means you need to ask. Ask. All right, I want you to start thinking about your prayer life, okay? Some of you had prayer time this morning, I'm assuming. Uh, maybe you had a prayer time yesterday. What'd you pray for? What'd you pray for? So I bet you some of you, you prayed for your, your, uh, maybe your aunt who's sick, maybe a mom or dad who's got health trouble. Maybe, maybe some of you know who's got COVID-19. I don't know anybody, but maybe you know somebody that has it. Uh, maybe you prayed for the economy. All good things. Please keep, please keep doing that. But here's what I would ask you. Did you pray for the things that God has told you to pray for? All right, God, did you pray for your own sanctification? Sanctification is a big word that, that means basically you becoming like Jesus. Did you pray for other people uh, in, in your life? Did you pray for their sanctification? All right, so in other words, the Bible tells you you ought to pray for yourself and for others that they would love God more, that you would love God more, that they would love others more, that you would love others more, that, that they would love righteousness and increase in faith and have joy in the Lord. Man, if there's something that I've prayed almost every day for the last 25 years, it's that. It is, God, give me joy in you. Give me joy in loving other people. I've prayed that over and over again. God, God, it's hard to love people. God, give me joy in that. God, God, I pray that you would show me the immeasurable riches of Christ, that you would you help me to see more and more of your glory, that you'd help me delight in, in obeying your commands. In other words, every time you find something in the scripture that God says, hey, this is what I want for you, I want you to increase and abound in love for one another. You jot that down. You start asking, right? Why? Because if you're going to make spiritual progress, who's going to do it? Well, it's going to be your effort, but it's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit. So you need to ask God for it. Ask Him. Seek. Knock. Ask Him. Think about your prayer life and and think about what things you pray for and make sure you're praying for your own sanctification. This is the problem I have with folks who say um, they don't pray for themselves. You've heard me harp on this a bunch, haven't you? But I keep running into folks that say, well, I don't pray for myself, I just pray for others. I'm doing okay. 
No, you're not doing okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, you may be doing okay financially. You may be healthy as a horse, but hey, there's bigger things than that. Like God has said, he wants you to love him. He wants you to love others. God wants you to be holy. He wants you to fight against sin. He wants you to be generous. He, he wants you to, to be just. He wants you to be forgiving. You gotta pray about that stuff, okay? If you, if you tell me, hey, I do all that stuff automatically, you're a liar. You need to pray you stop lying, okay? You start telling the truth. We need to pray for our own sanctification, and then we need to pray for each other. So, man, this is great. As you're reading through the Bible, take note of those things God says, I want this for you. I want this for the people of God. And then start asking him for those things, all right? So we, we pray, we are to pray here that God would enable us and others to increase and abound in our love for others and, and really our love for God. But please see that those are, those are intertwined. Listen to Jesus in John 15. He says in verse nine, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as the Father, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I know that was a mouthful, and, and I know, like John, especially the way John writes, you're like, what did he just say? Let me summarize it for you. He said, God has loved me, I've loved God, and I've loved you. And now abide in my love. Abide means hang in it, hang on to it, remain in it, in the way that I've loved you. And the way that I've loved you, now you love other people with that love. I put it in you, now you love other people in the same way. Next question, who are we supposed to love? Well, he gives two groups of people here. Okay, so go back to verse uh, 12 of chapter three. He says that, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in your love for two groups of people here, each other, for one another. Okay, now who's that? Well, that's believers. You're to have a special care, a special affection, a special ministry for other believers. Okay, the believers that God's put in your life. Why? Because they have the Holy Spirit in them and you have the Holy Spirit in you. Because they're God's people. They're God's children and you're God's child, Right? Have you ever noticed that, uh, do you have any friends that have children? If you don't love your friend's children, you probably won't be very close friends, okay? And, and in the same way, you need to love God's children, right? And so he's saying increase in love in, in the people of God. But then he has another category, folks, here. He says, and for all, okay? So increase and abound in your love for one another and for all. Who's that all? That's everybody else, Okay, now here's where it gets hard, okay? A lot of times, well, you're saying, man, it's hard to love people in my church, Pastor. And I, I agree with that. Sometimes it is. But you know what's hard, even harder? Is everybody else. You know why? I, I don't know that I have to tell you this, because I think you might have noticed it. There is a bit of a divide in our country. Have you noticed that? Now, I don't watch hardly any news, but you guys tell me about it. So uh, I, I know this is true. There's a bit of a divide in our country, okay? You got, you got, Part of the country that's looking up and saying the sky is blue, okay? And you got another part of the country that's looking up and saying the sky is orange, right? And we just can't, we can't see, right? Like, we can't agree, okay? And, and, and we're saying, man, how in the world can you say the sky is orange, right? I mean, that, that's how different the two parts of our country are. Now, when Paul says, I pray that you would increase and abound in your love for each other, that's believers. We're like, okay, all right, God, I pray that. And then he says, and for all. And we're saying, you saying those folks that say the sky is orange, I'm supposed to love them? I think they're all, right? Now, now it's going to get harder, okay? 
Now it's going to get more difficult. In fact, if you look through the scriptures, Jesus said we're supposed to love our enemies. He says we're supposed to bless those who persecute us. He says we're supposed to show acts of kindness in return for slander and abuse. We're supposed to, according to Titus 3, 2, show perfect courtesy to all. How are we going to do that? How are we going to love people that we deeply disagree with? How are we going to do that? Well, good news here. Chapter 4, verse 9 says God has taught us how to do that. All right, look at verse 9. Concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God. All right. We've been taught by God. How have we been taught by God to love difficult people? Well, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love because He first loved us. Okay? How, how have we been taught by God? Well, God's already loved us. John 13, 34, Jesus sets His disciples down and He says, A new commandment that I give you, that you love one another as I've loved you. And if you love one another as I've loved you, man, everybody's going to know that you're my disciple. All right, so we, we've been loved by God. How did God teach us to love? By loving us, right? Romans 5, 5, he says, he has poured out the, the love of God in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. In, in, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, he says, if you don't love, then you don't know God because God is love. All right, so God's taught us how to love by loving us. All right, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. That's a fun subject. How has he loved you? How has God loved you? Let me, let me give you some, some ways that God has loved you, okay? Number one, God has initiated a relationship with you, okay? So who loved who first? You know, have, have, you, ever, you, ever, have you ever talked about that with, uh, with your sweetheart? You know, and, uh, a lot of times couples will do that. You know, who loved who first, you know? Uh, well, I can answer that question for God, okay? It wasn't us, Okay? We did not love him first. We, we, didn't, we did not, nobody had to seek after God and, and tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, I'd like to have a relationship with you. No, nobody did that, okay? The reality between us and God is we were his enemies. We were rebelling against him. We were ignoring him. We were in our sins. We were not valuing him. We, we never loved him, okay? He came after us. He initiated a relationship with us. Otherwise, we would, have, we would have never come to him. We'd have lived in unbelief. We, we were still sinners when God initiated a relationship with us. When he made the first move, when he extended the hand of friendship, when he offered the invitation to us. And so, guys, he's taught us how to love people. How do you love people? You sure don't wait until they love you. You initiate the relationship. You initiate love for others. You know how that happens a lot of times? A lot of times it's you walk across the room. I loved, uh, um, I haven't been going to the back shaking everybody's hand because, you know, that's like penalty of death right now. Um, so I haven't been doing I've just been staying up here. And if someone wants to come, you know, talk to me, they can come talk to me. So anyway, so kind of the cool thing is I get to watch. And so I was just in, in the uh, uh, 830 service over at the Kansas campus. And when it got done, I, I love this. I love this. I saw somebody and I knew what they were doing. They popped up made a beeline all the way across the auditorium straight to some visitors, you know? And I, I just, I love seeing that, you know? I was like, you know what they're doing? I know what they're doing. I knew, I knew when they took off without their spouse what they were doing, you know? They, they, were, they were going, they were making the first move. I love that. That's the way God loved you. You were running away from him, and he came after you. So how are you going to increase and abound in love for others? Well, you're going you're gonna to make the first move. You're going to initiate a relationship. You're going to extend a hand of friendship. You're going to offer an invitation. You're going to reach out. You're going to walk across the room. 
God has taught you to love that way. Number two, he has loved us sacrificially. You know this about Jesus, don't you? Right? He left the glories of heaven. 2 Corinthians 8 says, he became poor that you might be rich. He sacrificed for you. He redeemed you. The word redeemed means he bought you back. And 1 Peter chapter 2 says he bought you not with silver and gold or perishable things. He bought you with his own blood, with the precious blood of Christ. He has redeemed you. He has purchased you. He has paid the price that you might have a relationship with him. Loving people is costly. And if you're going to increase and abound in loving one another and others, it's going to cost you. Sometimes it'll cost you financially. It will almost always cost you emotionally. It's hard to love people. And sometimes it hurts to love people, doesn't it? Sometimes it does. Most of the time, actually, it does inevitably. It's going to cost you time. Man, that may be the most precious commodity. I, 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 I've been so surprised with this COVID deal. You know, when, when everything shut down in, in our country, I thought, my goodness, the spiritual lives of people is going to skyrocket because for, for 100 years, people have been saying they do this or that, but they just don't have time. And now they got time, you know. That hadn't happened. That's, that's been disappointing. It's going to cost you time to love people. It'll, it'll, it'll take chunks out of the things that you'd rather be doing. It's, it's going to cost you energy. It's going to cost you effort. It's going to cost you to love people. How's God loved us? Well, he initiated love toward us. He, he loved us in a costly way. He sacrificed for us. Th- number three, he served us. When, when you go to that John 13 passage where Jesus is saying, I'm teaching you how to love. He says, a new commandment I give you just as I have loved you, so you love one another. By this, all people know that you're my disciples. You know what happened right before that? I'll tell you what happened. The disciples have been traveling from village to village all day. They've been in the muck and mire of, um, you know, farm animal yuck stuff in the street all day long. They'd walk through who knows what. And Jesus comes in, and they're all around the table, dirty, stinky men. And Jesus puts on an apron, and he takes a basin of water, and he washes their feet. He washes their feet. Have you ever seen guys' feet? Some guys' feet have some... You're like, what is that? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, but what's that thing, right? You know, right? Jesus goes disciple to disciple, and he serves them, okay? And then he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you. A lot of people have taken that very literally, and they, that's what they do for one another. They wash each other's feet, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, I have some incredibly special memories from India uh, where we've come into a village and and they bring out a lawn chair out to the to the road and they don't even let us get in the village and they stop and I've 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 had women weep as they washed our feet um, because of the gospel ministry that you guys have advanced there. That's a beautiful thing. But here's the deal about most Americans: your feet are probably already clean. Most of you took a shower this morning. You did a pretty good job, okay, or a bath, but you still have needs, don't you? People have needs. What's Jesus saying? I've loved you. I've met your needs. I served you. Now you serve one another. You help people. Go after them. Meet their greatest need. You know what people's greatest need is? What, what did you, what's the best thing Jesus gave us? Himself. You know, you know what the best thing that you can give other people? 
Jesus. Give him Jesus. Share Jesus. All right. Look at where this goes. Chapter 3, verse 13. He says this. 1 Thessalonians 3, 13. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints. We'll talk about this more next week, but there's, there's a direct connection between holiness and love, okay? So, so the more you're loving others, the holier you become, okay? Holy, holiness means to be set apart, set apart to God. And one of the ways that we're set apart to God is, is when we love each other, when we, when we initiate relationship, when we, when we reach out and meet needs and serve, and, and, and the way that God has loved us, that we love others in that way, when we give them Jesus, that that's one of the ways that we set ourselves apart as holy. Now, no, notice what he's setting us apart for. Verse 13, at the, that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints. Guys, he's coming back. He's coming back. It, I told you last week, every chapter of, of that First Thessalonians, Paul talks about the second coming. This, this guy sees it. He is ready for it. He's looking for it. And, and you know what it does to him? It, it moves him to obedience. It moves him to initiative. It moves him to act. I mean, it, it's this, this reality that's out there. And he realizes, man, Christ is coming at any time. And when he comes, only what I do for him is going to matter for all eternity. So I'm going to do it. It's a motivating factor for Paul. Don't you love it when God answers prayer? Okay. Are you ready? 1 Thessalonians 3. What did he pray? Verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Okay? May the Lord make you increase and abound for love one another and for all. Turn the page to 2 Thessalonians. Now, we don't know how much time elapsed between 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. Probably years, okay? Um, but letters didn't go real fast back then, you know? Uh, it was pretty much whenever somebody was heading that way and somebody would take it for you, okay? So probably years elapsed between these two books, okay? And notice how Paul starts his second letter. Remember in his first letter, he, with the prayer we just prayed, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. Okay, you ready? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Isn't that great? It's increasing. God did it. He answered prayer. You know what I've found? God will be faithful to answer your prayers, particularly when you pray for those things that He wants. Some of you are in here and you're like, man, I've been praying for a Lamborghini for 20 years. And I still don't have one. It may not be God's will that you have one. You know what? It may not be good for you. Sure enough, you'd, as soon as you got it, you'd get out there and drive 180 mile an hour and crash and kill yourself, you know? That's probably why God didn't give it to you. Okay, but, but listen, are you praying for the things He wants you to pray for? Okay? He tells us, Pray this, that God would, would increase your love for one another. If you're praying that consistently, God's going to answer that prayer. He's going to answer it. How are we going to do this, guys? Well, 
First of all, we're going to take the initiative, okay? That's how he loved us, so I think we've got to take the initiative. But second of all, you know what? I, I think if we'd hit all the pitches that God sends us, we'd, we'd be pretty far ahead. God's going to open a door this week for you to be able to love people. You just got to be ready and walk through it. So many times he opens a door and we're just not ready. We're just, we're, we're, not, we're not looking for it. We let it go by. So many times we're like the, the priest and the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan. Man, we saw the guy in the ditch, but we was going so fast that we was, we was already trucked by him before, before we had a chance to stop. By faith, respond to needs. By faith, care for people. By faith, give affection, give care, speak words of encouragement. By faith, be present, be face-to-face. Man, I'm telling you, since our, our small groups haven't been meeting, our Sunday school class hasn't been meeting, what a great opportunity just to begin to love those people again, right? Maybe you've lost a little connection. Man, I'm telling you, these things work wonders, okay? They, they, a lot of, there's a lot of bad about this, but it's pretty cool to be able to connect with people. Make a connection. I got a call FaceTime this morning. We were heading over to pray, Fred and Brian and I, 7 a.m. And my daughter, uh, Addie, was uh, heading back from her friend Annie's baptism. They have a little house church there. And her friend Annie became a Christian and was baptized. So she'd traveled down to another region of Taiwan to be there for the baptism. And she's coming back. And she probably don't want me to tell you this, but you just don't tell her I told you, all right? So she fell asleep on the train and she had a couple bags. She had one in her lap, and she had put one up above her, and she woke up right at her stop. She said it was like she didn't miss her stop. Woke up right at her stop and hopped off the train and realized that other bag was up there. And uh, the other bag had her billfold and her, her uh, keys to her apartment and everything. And so we were rejoicing because if she'd have been in Chicago, she'd never seen that thing again, all right? But fortunately, where she's at, there's hardly any crime and uh, they called her uh, a couple stops later and said, hey, we got your bag. And uh, so she was able to, well, I don't know. She hadn't got there yet. But anyway, uh, she's calling me to ask what to do. And I said, get an Uber and go there. Anyway, isn't it great to be able to connect with people? Love people. Call some folks this afternoon. Maybe you've been missing. Pray for them. Encourage them. Reach out. Let's, let's increase and abound in our love for one another, shall we? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for being so, so good to us. God, for loving us so well. God, you've taught us how to love. Uh, You taught us how to love by loving us. And Lord, I pray that you would enable us to love well. Enable us, Father, to increase and abound in our love for our church, for our small group, for uh, our gathering of friendships, Father, for our families, for God, for people that we disagree with. God, we're asking you to help us to love those people to find a way to preach the gospel to them, find a way to give them the best thing. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.